Welcome to the Mud Island Adventures podcast. I'm your host, Garrick McMullen, and I'm here to help you find your adventure right here in the UK. Good evening. We're back again. It's the Mud Island Adventures podcast, uh, and um, I think we've got a really good show for you tonight. Um, with me, as always, Lee, back in the studio. Um, yep. The, the, the Scottish studio. So, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, outside broadcast. Yeah, it's actually my living room and probably your office or something. Like that. I don't know what's going <laughs> it on. Is. It is. Uh, yeah, I'm, but I'm all good. I'm good, man. It's been uh, it's been busy as always, uh, one thing and another. But yeah, yeah, here we are again, and um, we've got a great show. As Garrick said, we've got a lot of good material for you in this episode. So let's get it going. Happy days. So uh, a few bits of housekeeping before we kick off today. Um, so uh, we've got some really good news, actually. Um, had some friends of the show and the group step up uh, and offer some discounts on some of their wares. And uh, I'm really happy about this because it means that people like what we're doing and they want to, uh, yeah, get you all involved. So uh, first one, cyclebritain.co.uk. Uh, so that is cycle-britain.co.uk is uh, a newly formed um, cycling um, tour company um, based out of uh, sort of the Dales area. But Alan, who runs it, um, is an extremely experienced coach um, in both cycling and triathlon. He's been doing this a while and was running corporate events before he decided to go it alone and, and start Cycle Britain. Uh, and I've done a bit of work with him over the last few months to do with the bike packing course that he now offers. Um, and that is the introduction to bike packing course. Uh, he's actually now offering a bike packing experience over three days around the King Arthur, uh, King Alfred's way, which uh, listeners may recall I did a few weeks ago. I'm still paying the price for that, but don't worry about it. I'll be fine. Um, but, uh, so for the intro to bikepacking courses, um, Alan is offering £20 off, which is a great saving. Uh, and uh, I, I'm going to blow my own trumpet here. I had a little bit to do with the uh, with the design of that course. So I'm going to say that, uh, yeah, it's a really great course. So dip your toe in uh, if you fancy going to bikepacking. Um, the next one then, uh, Outdoor Ventures for You. That's um Outdoor Ventures, all one word, and then the number four and the letter U dot com. Um, mate of mine, Dave, he's um, running courses, outdoor courses and outdoor first aid courses, which is where I met him, uh, was when we did our outdoor first aid instructors course together. Uh, hugely experienced guy and running some really good courses. Um, so check him out. And he's uh, going to give Mud Island Adventures listeners and uh, group members 5% off the cost of any of his courses, which is a really generous officer. So thank you, Dave. Really nice. Uh, and last but not least, um, got chatting with otterscamping.co.uk. So otters-camping.co.uk. Uh, and said, hey, you're on the King Alfred's Way. We've just mentioned the King Alfred's Way. Would you like to um, uh, help us out? Or some of our members that may be uh, looking to do the King Alfred's Way in due course. And uh, they've said, well, you know, we'll, we'll do what we can. But certainly for now, um, they are offering a buy one, get one free on tent pitches for July. 
Um, so if you fancy some glorious, and I've checked out the camp campsite online, I've not been up there yet, but I'm going up definitely because it looks awesome. It's right on the edge of Beale Country Park, uh, which is up in um, uh, you know near the Thames, near Goring and Streetly, which is a beautiful area. Part you know sort of one of the highlights of King Alfred's Way. It's got to be said, uh, and it's right on the edge of a lake. So it's all the water sports Beautiful. you could possibly want um, right there on your, I don't know, tents don't really have doorsteps, do they? But if they did, that's where the lake would be, <laughs> right on the doorstep. Uh, so, and they are offering, yeah, the, the uh, buy one pitch, get one free for July. So uh, if you fancy a bit of camping that way, then um, yeah, take a look at otters-camping.co.uk. Fantastic Beautiful. stuff. Ah. <sighs> There we are. That's the housekeeping done. So I've been spending this week, um, you know, a bit of time working from home, actually, this week. Things have calmed down, so it's been quite nice. And I've uh, been getting the Mud Island Adventures mobile headquarters uh, prepped and ready to go away this weekend for a bit of a, a family adventure in the new forest. So how about yourself? What are, you, uh, what are your plans? Me? Me, sir? Yes. My plans, yes. sir? Well, not well, just you. Group members, listeners, you know, mm-hmm. get onto the Facebook, hit us up on Instagram, check out yeah, at Mud Island Adventures. Uh, and uh, yeah, let us know what you're doing this weekend. We'd love to know. But OK, yeah. So, Lee, what are you doing? Well, the adventure at the moment is uh, <laughs> it's very mundane, but it is uh, it's sorting out the garden. And if you could see the state of it, then you would. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's worthy of Indiana Jones <laughs> or Lisa David Attenborough documentary. So yeah, that is uh, that is the the plan for this weekend is getting amongst all of that. So pretty close to home and no big thing, but it does need to be done. I yeah, know, make sure you tie a string to the front door or something. You know. Yeah, yeah, uh, maybe so you can find your way out again. <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll do that with Jack. I'll just send him in first. You know. <laughs> and if you find a game called Jumanji, don't play it, man. That's, yeah, no, that that's that's good advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, uh, do you know what if uh, if you do get lost you can always try today's uh main topic which is what wild camping wild camping so we put the poll up earlier this week and um yeah by a country mile wild camping was the most popular and um it, do you know what it's really not new is it i, I don't no. understand why the why it's exploded so much over the last year or so um Maybe it's been accompanied by other activities that, you know, people want to just spend a bit more time in the outdoors and uh, or they're coupling it with another activity. So, you know, if you if you are bike packing or walking, um, you know, mountaineering while camping. Yeah. Why yeah. not? And, why and not? not just that, but also the water sports as well. You know, you can load up your expedition kayak, you can uh, load up your SUP, whatever it is that you want to do. You can tie this in with many different activities that we've talked about on the show and we'll talk about it on uh, future episodes as well so it's um it's a great thing it's uh, it's a beautiful thing to do uh add in the uh the wilds get away from all the light pollution seeing all the stars and away from just well everything and everyone and that includes screen time and uh yeah wild camping is uh, is fantastic stuff yeah i mean the irony that you're you know, you're probably listening to a podcast yeah. on your iPhone and we're talking about getting <laughs> away from screen time. But, you know, you have to do something in between the adventures, yes. right? Um, so, so why not listen to the Mud Island Adventures podcast? That's what I say. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
so yeah while camping like i say it's nothing new um but you know what a great way to get away from busy campsites and caravan parks and the usual sort of hubbub of uh, of commercial camping um you know get yourself somewhere nice and quiet um you know with beautiful views and just enjoy the outdoors in its you know purest form and the uk is so diverse um uh, you know i spoke about the different terrains that you can cover in just a relatively short space of time actually mm. uh, and you know getting out there and exploring those diverse environments um really does you know sort of it's again chicken soup for the soul um i keep saying it but it's true it is true um so but there's some rules here okay we're not going to go completely wild when we go wild camping you know we we there's some um there's some rules to abide by here now technically in the uk um we, we're split in two parts here so scotland and the rest of the uk um have different rulings so scotland as you know have the um, land reform act of 2003 yeah. uh, which permits the public to camp on um, on most unenclosed land. So if it's not fenced off, i.e. owned by a farmer or somebody, um, then you can uh, camp there legally. Um, but again, you know, there are some rules apply uh, and you can be turfed off the land or indeed um, given a spot fine uh, and a penalty if you don't follow these rules. And we'll go through that. England, Wales are slightly different in that actually it's not, totally legal okay so here's here's my sort of health warning to everybody here we are not we are not um sort of condoning people just going willy-nilly into the countryside and popping a tent up um uh, and you know using it as their own personal campsite you know there's, there's things that we need to follow here uh yeah. so whilst at, at the time of this podcast Trespass isn't quite a criminal act yet. Um, it is a civil offence, and therefore you can be tried and prosecuted uh, under civil um, rulings. So something to bear in mind. But there's ways and means that we can sort of avoid all that kerfuffle. Um, so, yeah. um, and actually, uh, I, I say... Um, um, England and Wales, there's parts of Dartmoor actually where you can wild camp legally. Um, so if you want to do it and you don't want to upset anyone, Dartmoor is probably a really good place to start. Um, but make sure you check out uh, where you can do that. And you'll be able to do that on um, the uh, Natural England website, I believe, or um, the Dartmoor tourist information um, pages. So um, Let's let's go with a let's go with a few rules about where you can and can't. Um, so it, it's it's pretty simple. It, wherever you are, follow the access code. So if you you know if you're in Scotland, make sure that you follow access code, um, and it basically covers, uh, you know the the principles of respecting the interests of other people caring for the environment and taking responsibility for your own actions. Okay. Uh, and that, what that boils down to is make sure you leave no trace of your stay. Um, and th this is the biggest thing that I try to put across to people is that if you're going to go wild camping, 
take only photos, leave only footprints. Absolutely. And if I can just jump in uh, there, Garrett, as well. Um, if, you were, if, you, if you are a dog owner and you t- decide to take your pooch with you on one of these expeditions, please understand that certainly up here in Scotland, I can't speak for England and Wales, but if your dog is off its leash and there are livestock anywhere in the area, mm-hmm you are going to have a problem. We know I, I, I've got a pack of dogs and they're all mad as fish and we love them to bits, they're family. <laughs> but one of them, I just will not walk out on the outside the gate off his lead because he will just see something and he will go. And the problem is that livestock are extremely valuable commodities to farmers. So yes. at this time in recent months, up here in Scotland, if your dog is uh, caught either interfering with livestock or or attacking it or doing anything like that, you could be looking at a £40,000 fine or 12 months in jail. Yep, and that's across the UK. Oh, that's UK-wide, is it? Okay. So it's either that or you just stick him on his lead or you leave him at home. So just, you know, we know that pets are family, absolutely. But if you are going to go out into that environment, then just, you know, be extra careful, particularly in like lambing season or calving season or, you know, whenever there's going to be, uh, or, you know, livestock about, depending on where you are, of course. Yeah. But totally. it's, yeah, it's something to bear in mind. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it is. And, uh, um, I mean, it's part of the basic country code, country mm-hmm. uh, side code. So, you know, but, Keep your dogs on a lead. Is that simple? Yeah. Uh, and in some cases, the kids. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm. And that's that's more for their safety, but yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe your kid. I don't know. Well, uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, there's uh, absolutely, you know, try uh, avoid impact on, on the environment you go into at all costs. So uh, another aspect of this is don't light fires people okay it's too easy to think yeah i'm going wild camping i'm gonna set up my uh my bear grills-esque fire and cook my um 4.99 steak that i bought at tesco's over it because it's wild camping yeah Mm. no absolutely not so the way i like to think of wild camping is uh, i don't really um i don't aim to go wild camping as such so it's generally as part of uh, another activity I'm doing. It's a, it's a means to an end. Uh, so I will usually have a camping stove with me. Um, in fact, I will have a camping stove with me if I'm expecting to be out, you know, overnight. Um, or there's a possibility that I'm going to be out overnight. I will have a camping stove. Absolutely no bones about it. And that's what I will use. And I will make sure that, um, you know, the area that I put it in is clear of foliage uh, or, you know, debris that might catch fire as a result of me using that camp stove because that has i've seen that happen so many times people waving the camp stove around or tipping it over and <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know you lose your brew and half the more goes up in flames it's terrible yeah. uh, and actually you know we've seen um moorland fires over the last few years that have absolutely devastated um you know almost entire ecosystems um mm. in some very valuable and fragile places 
So please, please, please be extra, extra careful. Uh, uh, you know, don't scorch the earth around you and, you know, make sure that it's um, safe to use. Another thing, <laughs> and this is a bit of a personal issue, okay, there may be a time when you're out wild camping where you need to um, relieve yourself, okay? Mm. There's two trains of thought here. Um, firstly, well, you know, some people like to think, oh, I'll bury it. That'll be fine. Um, I'm not a big fan of burying personal waste uh, simply because it will be dug up by by an animal and it was completely pointless in the first place. At the same time, um, we have <laughs> we have a phrase in the military called base laying, <laughs> mm. which is not pleasant if you're the next person to find it. And... No. So, yeah, at the same time, you know, base lane, don't do it. Um, it, it, it sounds um, not particularly pleasant, and it isn't particularly pleasant, but, hey, you know what? If you're going to carry it in, carry it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's, my, it's my theory on this. So, yeah, uh, yeah and, and make sure that you don't go to the toilet anywhere near natural streams or, uh, you know, sort of water sources or anything that... Um, you know, may, may affect the, the environment you're in. So take some bags with you, um, bag your waste up, put it in something that's a bit more robust than the plastic dog bag, uh, the, the, you know, nappy bag or whatever you've used mm. uh, to carry it out. But make sure, like I say, if you're going to carry it in, make sure you carry it out as well. Um, yeah. And the other thing is just don't be a dick. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So uh, one of the big advi uh, advisements is, particularly in England, if you suspect that you're um, or if you're close to somebody's property, just be courteous. A lot of landowners will, you know, generally say, yeah, I don't mind if you sleep in that hedge over there or, you know, use that wood block. You know, farmers will quite often just quite happily. They might want to charge you a tenner for it, but. You know what? If that if that's it, either move on and find somewhere else, or pay them a tenner, and you know everybody wins. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's it's a, a bit of a symbiotic relationship with them um, with landowners, but make sure you have the permission if you if you think you know if you can possibly get it, but you know do it. That's my advice, um, and that way you you avoid the sort of um, darker clock. Um, get off my land conversation <laughs> with with an angry farmer yeah, um, wielding they, they, a 12 gauge yeah, they, they do get up early fun. don't they they do they do yeah. uh, and that's the other thing you know what I'd like to do uh, you know certainly try to arrive late and leave early so the whole point is you're not going to settle in at um, you know two o'clock in the afternoon with a few beers uh, and then make a complete mess of the place you know have a wildfire going and, and then sleep until 10 o'clock the next day that's not the point you know um go in late get out early and that way you know and leave no trace that's just you know yeah yeah i think we've covered that enough absolutely uh any more from on on that from you mate yeah i mean like like you say any anything to do with you know if you brought it in, you can definitely take it out again and certainly with food and <laughs> beverage containers they're going to be a lot lighter 
on the way out, and you can crush them down. So, you know, just bag them up, take them out, and just, you know, leave it as you would like to find it. So, you know, equipment-wise, what what are we talking here, Gary? I mean, because, you know, wild camping isn't like, you know, I mean, (laughs) I have been enjoying uh, Zimbabwean-style camping for about 20 years. <laughs> and this is, you know, you can fill a 4 by 4 off-road vehicle with everything that you could possibly need. Um, yeah. And that just doesn't just apply, you know, in um, uh, you know, places like Mana Pools or wherever else like that over in, uh, over in Zimbabwe and South Africa. But uh, my wife does has the tendency to take that uh, take that same approach over here as well. So, <laughs> well, let- you know, we, we've loaded up the car, and I mean we have loaded up the car last yeah. year for um, a beautiful campsite up near Pit Lockery, and we, we had a lot of stuff. Let's just say that. We had a lot of stuff, including uh, the ancient Dachshund and our son. So... That's Zimbo camping. Basically, you you take everything with you. And, you know, over there, that's fair because, you know, if you do run out of milk, you're talking about a two-hour drive to the nearest metal road and probably at least another hour before you find somewhere that sells it. So you do tend to, in that environment, take everything with you. But with wild camping, if you're tying it into walking, if you're tying it into uh, kayaking or SUP or bike packing or any other activity, we want to keep that load to a minimum. So yeah, what, yeah, what, yeah, what's the difference really that we're looking at between loading up the car going camping and loading up your bike or your kayak? Well, oh, 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 someone's got an opinion. Yeah. What do you think, Callie? What's going on? No, you don't like the, you don't like the neighbors, huh? Okay. Um, so, uh, well, you know, it's, it's like you say, it's, um, there's some very different methods of camping. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go off this weekend uh, actually towing my um, house behind me, pretty much. <laughs> not my real house, not my full-time house, but uh, a house on wheels. And, you know, you load the car up with tents and bits and pieces and whatever. And it's great, you know, because you can do that and you can have a great time. But the whole point of wild camping is it is a minimalist approach to camping. Um, so, you know, let, let's have a quick look at the bare minimum that you need to take to spend a relatively comfortable evening, night, um, in the outdoors. So the first bit of uh, equipment that I will always, always um, recommend to people, and I've heard it so many times, uh, why do I need a sleeping mat? I'm going to tell you <laughs> because from experience, <laughs> uh, you know, a, a sleeping mat will be the difference between a night shivering your ass off uh, or a night where you can actually get some sleep. Mm. Um, and what, what a camping mat does, a sleeping mat, kit mat, whatever you call it, uh, and whatever form it takes, it generally forms a thermal seal but or you know a thermal layer between you and the ground uh, and actually contrary to popular belief if you're in a sleeping bag the place that you lo- lose the most um, heat from won't be from um, the top of the sleeping bag it will be between you and the the ground um, and it will sap the 
you know, even even in warm environments, it will sap the heat out of you as, as quick as anything. Uh, and ironically, that goes for camping with a hammock as well. So in cooler environments, more temperate environments such as ours, um, you know, it can get pretty chilly at night. So having a thermal wrap around your hammock or a sleeping mat inside the hammock can, can make, again, the difference between uh, a night um, disco dancing away in your di- in your sleeping bag or uh, or knocking out some quality zeds um so yeah uh, there's loads on the market you know inflatable mattresses um you know with, with wild camping i like to make sure that all my all my kit packs down really small so actually my um and this is after many years of experience and so you know the the older i got the more comfort i want um I'm so, so pleased you said that. that that's that I was going to jump in with that exactly. Yeah, the older you yeah. get, the more you need that. You know, uh, bring, bring two roll mats. Do, or something. Take, take all the roll mats. Yeah, take take, all the mats. Just just bring a sleep easy mattress with you or something. Like that. Oh yeah. That's um, if, if you can carry it, <laughs> sleep on it. Uh, but um, yeah, so I've got a, a relatively lightweight, but it's a. Um, it's an inflatable one um, that blows up into little chambers. It's really comfy and it's really warm, mm. um, you know. And actually, for for a forty six year old guy with, uh, you know, who's who slept on cold ground quite a lot, uh, it's yeah certainly one of the better nights I've had. Anyway, um, uh, the next thing is the what do you put around the rest of you? So a lot of people, um, well, most people, to be honest, will use a sleeping bag. Top tip, make sure that you get a sleeping bag that covers the season you're in. So uh, certainly if you're, um, and, and I would always, I'd always risk a bit more weight and space on a sleeping bag that is going to keep me warm than try to cut down on size and, um, you know, and, uh, and weight for a quality night. If I know it's going to be, you know, if I'm only going to be there a couple of hours um, and I only want something just to take the chill off for a little while, then yes, you can get away with it. But most people are going to be going and looking at um, spending an entire night. So talking about six hours sleep, you want a decent sleeping bag that will cover the temperatures that you're expecting to be in and a little bit more. Um, just, you know, add, add that five degree buffer uh, onto your onto your purchase and oh, yeah. pay dividends, I yeah. promise you. I promise Especially you. if you're coming up here or if you're going to altitude, you know, because uh, the, the further north you come in these islands, the chillier it does tend to get, especially at night. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, as well as that, you know, there's options for um, your shelter system. So, I, uh, at the moment, during the summer, I will take um, a bivy bag, which is a waterproof, waterproof, or, you know, water-resistant bag, but breathable. That goes over the length of the sleeping bag. Um, just keeps the damp off because you will inevitably get um, dewfall. And um, that bag will just keep you, you know, keep everything dry inside. It's it's quite nice, and it adds another thermal layer, so it's you know, re- tends to reflect the heat back in towards you rather than let it dissipate into the atmosphere. Um, as well as that, um, I will take a, a tarp or a, um, just a, a waterproof sheet that goes over the top so that if it is raining, um, you know, I've got some cover over the top just to keep the worst of the rain off me and between the two of them, 
you know, they're relatively lightweight. There's no poles involved. Um, if I need to, you know, support the, the, um, the tarp with anything, I can find sticks or use bike parts or walking poles. Um, I've got stuff that I can use. So um, I was going to say, do you, do, you, do you use bungees or do you use like paracord that's like knotted every, what is it, like eight or nine inches to, uh, to rig that? Um, so I, I use paracord, but I don't mm. use the um, jungle knot technique. I just use a, a paracord with, right, okay. uh, you know, just tie it around, whatever. Yeah. Um, simply because I just haven't got around to doing it with that particular bit of kit. Um, <laughs> with, with military kit, I, you know, I used to use bungees and they use, they're, they're really good, particularly if, um, if it's windy. Because mm. they obviously flex a bit with the wind. It's not... Um, you know, it doesn't risk as much of being uh, whipped away on open ground, certainly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it may be that you choose to take a little bit more comfort. Now, I know up in Scotland, the one place that I probably would, no matter what time, or particularly in the summer, that I'd want a tent is um, in <laughs> Scotland. now. Yeah. Uh, and not because, of the, not because of the weather. I might not even put the outer skin on. Uh, it might be completely bone dry and very warm. But yeah. I tell you what, I'm going to make use of the of the uh, anti fly mesh or the fly mesh um, mm. uh, because of the midges. Oh so, yeah, you know if you're going somewhere, make sure you know a little bit about the the, the flora and fauna because yeah, Scottish midges. Oh, carry they'll, they'll carry, carry off flick small, knives. Yeah, they'll carry off small children <laughs> and dogs. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, you know they're, they're on a par, and I'll, uh, you know, from experience, they're on a par with Canadian mosquitoes. Uh, <laughs> and those little bastards carry baseball bats. I swear to God. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, it, you know, find a find out a little bit about where you're going, and make sure that whatever shelter you're taking, uh, it fits the environment that you're going into. Um, so camping um, camping equipment, we've already talked about. You know, make sure you've got. A um, uh, something to cook in, so a pot or a, uh, a metal mug or something to, to uh, boil up some water at least. Um, thermos flask always a really good, um, really good piece of kit. You know your, your cutlery, a gas stove. Now again, um, I'd like to think if you were going into high mountains where you needed more pressure. To feed your cooker then you'd know about that before you go but for normal sort of lowland uh, and low hill uh, camping you'll get away with um, gas stoves um, yeah i mean that, that that is something that's really only applicable to you know much higher altitudes than we get here in the uk so yeah as garrick says you know you, if, if that's an area that you're going to then um yeah, we would like to think that you know you you've got that experience to do that, and if you don't, then then you know you can you always probably shouldn't do it. Yeah, or you can uh, <laughs> ask an expert, such as the Mud Island Adventures Facebook apps. Yeah, yeah, come come and ask the hive mind. I'm sure somebody will be able to yeah. tell us. Um, yeah, but you know, a, a basic um, basic something like a jet boil, really really good bit of kit gives you a, a cooker and. Um, you're cooking pot in one so you know it's not it's not heavy um a little bit bulky but seeing as it's it's doing more than one thing um Mm. not so bad uh what i will say is that 
um, try and have a dual purpose for everything. That's, um, that's a top tip. Yeah. Because, it, you know, particularly if you're having to carry it on your back, it's quite nice to be able to do that. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. So I'm actually, while we're chatting here, to, yeah. to, to, to chat amongst yourselves. Uh, I'm going to try and bring up the, the kit list that I've put together for the bikepacking course. So, um, okay. Also, well, whilst you're yeah. doing that, I'll just sort of say, and um, uh, I will find out the exact name, because if, like my wife, you are a caffeine addict, uh, she's a nurse, oh. so it kind of goes with the territory, there is a system which she has just recently purchased, having just spent the last six weeks down your neck of the woods, um, <laughs> basically playing adult laser tag and getting paid for it. But um, there is a caffeine system. There is like a, it, it, it's uh, so you can put your coffee in there and you can make fresh, proper brewed filter coffee within yep. this whole system. And it's yep. just, yeah. So that that's, that's another thing that you could add into your uh, packing list. So I'm going to give you, yeah, give you the name of it. Um, or the, certainly the one I use uh, is the AeroPress Go. It could very well be that, yes. Yeah, so like a, a plunger system, you, you load it up, bang a filter on the top and then press it. Yeah. Oh, um, no, no, this, this, this one you actually... Um, you kind of load it up and then you have to, uh, so you put the coffee in the bottom and then you sort of, it's like a vacuum thing. So you, as you, as you're unscrewing it, ah. then it forces the water down and thus brews the coffee. Yeah. Yeah. So it's but, pretty much yeah. the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so like a high pressure cafetiere. Yeah. 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 You, you learn interesting coffee thing when you start cycling i tell you um <laughs> well you need the energy mate that's why that's that's absolutely one. true yeah. yeah um so yeah something something like that and why you know why rough it uh one thing i will say and this is going back to the last podcast um take a pillow <laughs> <laughs> because no matter how much you think it is stuffing a waterproof bag full of coats isn't going to be a decent pillow mm. it's just not it really isn't uh <laughs> so get that, yourself that a might little... work for sort of you know between your knees uh you know just sort of keep, if, if you're of a certain age and you're getting those issues but yeah um certainly for a uh, you know a decent night's sleep then yes a good pillow yeah. is your friend absolutely absolutely no doubt. um cool right so mm. da, 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 da. what have you got um take some water storage you know you're gonna have to carry your water in with you um Camelbacks are great for that because they, they sort of mould around stuff. Um, mm. If you are planning on um, taking a water source um, whilst you're out there, so not carrying as much water and trying to gather water while you're there, take purif purification tablets or a filtration system. Um, do, do, do a first aid kit. Uh, I think it goes without saying in this day and age, or it, if you haven't been listening, why not? Mm -hmm. um you know first aid something close to my heart and if you don't take a first aid kit with you you really should um yes. you know at, at the very least understand how how to use um items that you're taking in a first aid situation um doo -doo -doo. yeah they they are the basics i think uh in terms of equipment you need to take whilst wild yeah. camping yeah. So with um, that setup, you can essentially you can get yourself 
You can get yourself a comfortable night's sleep. Yep. You can keep yourself hydrated and energized with uh, hot food. And if you spent any time out in the outdoors, even in the middle of summer, there is nothing more morale boosting than a hot meal at the end of the day. You can also keep yourself uh, you know, dry should the weather suddenly turn. And <laughs> let's be fair, here on Mud Island, it does have the tendency to do that <laughs> from time to time. So, yeah. yeah, those are your basics, folks. Those are your basics to, to get out there and enjoy this beautiful place. Absolutely. And uh, people know that we've gone on slightly longer tonight about, um, Ooh, about have, wild yeah. camping. Uh, but... Uh, I feel that, you know, there's some really important stuff that we've mentioned tonight, um, particularly in terms of the, the implications of wild camping in the UK um, and and how you can get in, you know, a little bit of hot water. Just if you if you need more information about it, um, a cracking little website that I found is actually uh, the Trespass website, and they've got a little bit about wild camping on there. Um, and similarly, you know, uh, like we said, the hive mind that is my Mud Island Adventures on Facebook is there for exactly this purpose. So if you've got yeah. any questions, hit us up and we'll uh, we'll find out. Uh, if we don't know, we'll find someone that does, I promise you. Yep. Brilliant. Um, so, yeah, while camping. It Nipped. is. Yep, done. So that's, um, it's, a, it's an adventure for sure. But... Is it but. a big adventure? Well, yes, I think it is. I think it is. I think but I've it got is too. Another one. I've got another one for you. Oh, good. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Is it my turn? Or is it your turn? I thought you. Were oh, doing. I think okay. it. No, no. Wait. wait. Okay, we'll do rock paper scissors. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> damn it! I lose again. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> that big adventure tonight. Uh, guy called Martin Longmuir. Now, Martin and I actually served in the same unit and deployed overseas um, on at least one operational tour. Um, my favourite memory of him is driving over a dead dog in Iraq <laughs> um, whilst I was in the back of the vehicle and it stank. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I don't hold it against him um, because, do you know what, he's doing uh, a, a really awesome thing. Uh, so Martin is known on, uh, he has his um, Instagram handle as 2020 turning 40. And in case it wasn't clear enough, last year, Martin turned 40, the whippersnapper. Um, but, yep. uh, in, in, you know, to, to sort of mark the occasion, he wanted to do a challenge. And he's not, you know, he's not new to challenges. He's, um, he's, done, a, he's done a few things. Um, mm. But he's, um, this one is really quite special. Martin wants to raise some money for Friends of Anchor, um, which is a, a a charity providing cancer research and care in the northeast of Scotland and Orkney. Um, now, uh, we we seem to mention Scotland a lot, but you know Martin just happens to be up there, and he is very Scottish. Uh, <laughs> uh, not in a bad way. That's not a bad thing. I'm not, you know. Uh, but he is uh, fiercely Scottish, let's put it that way. Mm. And um, yeah, but he's he's doing this. Um, and some of the background is that um, he was, or he and his schoolmates were unfortunate enough to lose a friend um, to leukemia when they were 17. Um, his mum suffered with breast cancer, which is something that I can 
you know, um, I can relate to absolutely. And, you know, raising, uh, raising funds for friends of anchor is something very, very close to Martin's heart. So what's he going to do about this? Well, he's decided, and it, the, the plan has changed a bit and COVID has taken uh, a big part in this. Uh, originally it was going to be a slightly different plan, but the ethos remains the same. So what he's going to do is he's going to do a marathon. Stay with me. Every I'm day, back. every day for 10 days. And for those of you who don't know what a marathon is, we're talking about 42 kilometers, 26.2 miles per day for 10 days. In now, I hope right, I'm going to try and say, uh, I, I'm going to try a little something here because Scottish pronunciations aren't always my strong point. <laughs> and I want to say Ben Nahi, Ben Nahi or Ben Aki Hills. Mm, don't ask me, mate. <clears throat> okay. Dude, I'm, I'm, you're supposed to be the you're you're my you're my inside man on this. Yeah, anyway, but you I'm, know it's <laughs> I, uh, I I I struggle with even some of the local pronunciations sometimes. A lot of my <laughs> colleagues and stuff will just like stare at me, correct me, and I just sit there all abashed, going, "Okay, I'm sorry, I didn't know." Uh, and that's how they know you're English is because yeah. they use words like abashed. Um, <laughs> so, wait. The Benaki or Benaki Hills, you know, they're, they're going to be high. They're in Scotland. So mm. it's not going to be easy, is it? Mm. And he's doing a marathon around them yeah. every day for 10 days. And he's starting that. He's starting that on the 21st of July. Okay. Now, it's been delayed because of COVID and um, bits and pieces, but he's decided to do it this year. And he just, you know, he wants to do, wants to get it done. And, and I can totally relate to that. Um, so he's starting that on the 21st. Find him on Instagram, 2020 turning 40. Okay. He's been posting, and you've probably seen it, he's been, uh, been posting the details of his training yeah. for as long, you know, uh, for quite a while now. And whew, this, this dude's going to smash it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I need to lie down just reading it. It's just like, oh. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so he is definitely hashtag MI adventure ready. No mm-hmm. doubt about it, 100%. and he's gonna he's gonna do it. So go to UK Virgin, uh, sorry UK dot Virgin dot com uh, and search Martin Longmuir twenty twenty turning forty. Donate some money. He's doing so well, and we're going to track him all the way through. I'm really hoping that I get time over the next week or so and figure out how he and I can um, do an interview, mm. um, either during or prior to or after. Um, this event because apart from you know it'd be great to speak to the guy um about it face or not face to face but um you know uh, about the event but just to catch up with him would be really good because he's a top guy so show him some support and go and follow that hit hit him up with some funding yeah i I, I look i will look forward to uh, tuning into that one mate i tell you yeah 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 hoofing effort uh now I need a sit down. You need to sit down. Yeah, after after thinking about doing ten, ten marathons, yeah, every day for a, wow. In, I mean, yeah, exactly. In hills, in hills. In he hills. calls them hills. They're probably mountains, aren't they? Yes. Mm. 
yeah, to, to you and I, that that's definitely a mountain. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm from Lincolnshire. Everything more. Yeah, you know, <laughs> everything. Yeah. Everything's a mountain to me. <laughs> but if you need a, if you do need to sit down, mate, uh, pick up your favourite armchair, and I'm going to take you because this one. I've got it. I've got it. Yeah, I'm settling back. Good, good. Oh, last time we talked about. about another classic a book this is a movie and not just a movie a surf movie and not just a surf movie it's probably arguably the surfing movie i know exactly what you're going to talk about (laughs) oh i hope so because it is (laughs) bruce brown's the endless summer now this yeah. Now, if you have ever walked into a surf shop, if you have ever been around that environment, you will have seen that iconic poster of The Endless Summer. Now, what I love about this is the fact that it just has this quality about it. It's, it's all pretty much timeless, I think. It came out in 1966. It's a travelogue. It's an adventure. It's also a little bit of humour in there as well, because there's virtually no dialogue beyond Bruce Brown, who was the director, the producer, the principal photographer, the writer. And he just gives us this narration through the full 95 minutes of this film as we follow Robert August and uh, Michael Henson's search for the perfect wave. In California. Land in the west coast of Africa, they explore Senegal, they go down Africa, that iconic scene as they walk through sand dune after sand dune to Cape St. Francis. And there's those perfect barrels. From there, they travel to Australia, New Zealand, Hawaii, and finally home again. And on the way, they see some of the... Uh, beautiful sights around the world they hook up with some of the uh, the characters from surfing at that time like Mickey Dora, mm. Greg Noll and all that mm. and it's beautifully shot and when you think that it was shot on 35mm handheld camera it's kind of got a home movie sort of feel to it, it was shot yeah. on a budget of like $50,000 1965 prices okay, but it has grossed seven figures over the last um, six decades. Okay. Now it's safe to say that this movie, it, it began the search, the search in capital letters of uh, surfers who, you know, kind of nomadic creatures at the best of time. This movie really did fire up the imagination of the surfing world and it, and it set people out there it opened the gate and off they went in search of this perfect wave, uncrowded, and even to this day, it is just, just a fantastic movie. It's the kind of thing that you can watch again and again. And so if you're looking for an armchair adventure, if you want to just disappear into a uh, beautiful of uh, fantastic waves, Check out Bruce Brown's The Endless Summer and its sequels. 
Because in 1994, he made The Endless Summer 2. And then his son, Dana Brown, made Step Into Liquid in 2003. Now, you will not be disappointed. It may even inspire you to find your own perfect wave. So Bruce Brown's The Endless Summer is this week's Armchair Adventure. Oh, reliving so many (laughs) memories of being sat around in a hostel in the UK. Because it was unsurfable at the time. Yeah, it's a go-to, isn't it? It's just a, it's a default setting. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I think my favourite part is, um, is with the uh, kids in East Africa. Oh yes, who, they've who never seen just, anything. Yeah, they're just absolutely amazed, and so they take that. Yeah, fantastic stories from a different time, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well. The weather's going to be quite good this weekend, so it won't all be sitting around in armchairs. Nope. Got any ideas? I don't know, man. You're piling the pressure on me. Why don't you just go fly a kite or something? You know, just go do that. (laughs) That was tenuous, dude. Oh, I know. (laughs) But I like it. I like it. (laughs) So what are we doing? We are flying kites. Yeah. Yeah. There's oh. <laughs> now there's no doubt in my mind that flying a kite brings up so many childhood memories and it's something that I've carried forward um into adult life as well. I've got to say mate, it's been a gateway mm. to so many other cool adventures. Oh yeah. Um yeah, I mean from flying a a single string you know, diamond-shaped kite, just letting it hang in the breeze to mm. uh, kiting a, a paraglider, you know, up a hill. Or, ah, amazing stuff. So what an easy weekend win to go and do. Yeah. Get yourself a kite. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's great fun. We, uh, Like I say, last year when we were camping, we got uh, our boy a, uh, a kite, and it's, a, it's an eagle. So it's, a, it's a, probably about a three or four foot wingspan. And it wasn't hugely expensive either. You know, just like got it off of Amazon, took just a few minutes just to rig up and off it goes into the breeze. And you're flying this eagle in the breeze, mm. in the wind. And it's just, it's just great fun, no matter how old you are. It really yeah. is. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I still, still love to take, well, it's one of the great things about having kids is you get to mm. do kid stuff without yeah. looking like a moron. <laughs> yes. <laughs> until yes, until yes. they run off. <laughs> and and you're left you're there ho- with, yeah. Yeah, left there <laughs> holding a kite going, this is awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, what, what a great adventure flying a kite is. Uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. So what we'd like to see pictures of everybody flying kites. Yeah, over the next couple of weeks. So, why don't you join us on the Mud Island Adventures Facebook group? Um, hit up the Mud Island Adventures Instagram page at Mud Island Adventures at Mud Island Adventures on Twitter. Uh, we've got loads going on, people. And do you know what the 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 chat that's been going on over the last couple of weeks has been awesome? Um, I'm really bored. Hughes rang me up earlier tonight. Big Sorry. shout out to Mark. Mud Island OG, uh, but uh, he, he sent me a message earlier, which was um, a picture of 
a gravel bike. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, huh, am I turning you to the dark side? Now, Mark is a hard, he's been a hardcore mountain biker for as long as I've known him and, and mm. you know, always scoffed at drop handlebar bikes. Um, but, you know, there's, there's hope. There's hope. I think I might get him involved. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, great stuff. Um, but, yeah, join us on the, on the um, social networks. Uh, if you're enjoying the, web, uh, the website, the podcast, ooh, nearly gave the game away there. Look out for a website real soon. <clears throat> uh, but yes. in the meantime, if you are enjoying the uh, the podcast, uh, thank you to uh, a couple of people. I won't name them. I won't name them and shame them. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you for your reviews on iTunes. Uh, please, people, leave a, a review. You know, or if you don't like what you're hearing, contact us and let us know why. Please, yeah, we'll make it better. Um, or you know or we'll just keep doing what we do and uh, you'll have to find something else to listen to yeah. uh, <laughs> but then you'd miss cool. out on such good stuff well you would yeah absolutely absolutely so uh, that, that's it for this episode I think um, just a, a reminder to um, go and check out cycle-britain.co.uk for £20 off the intro to bikepacking courses uh, go to outdoorventures4u.com for 5% off uh, what they're doing uh, and some great stuff going on there. And uh, why not get a, a buy one, get one free deal uh, for July with otters-camping.co.uk. Yes. And don't forget that in September, uh, Garrick and uh, Alex are going to be sort of starting out on their Triple Challenge 21. So uh, you can find those uh, on the uh, GoFundMe, and you, if you're feeling generous, you can donate for that, or you can get involved another way by uh, organising your own event and uh, letting us know about it here at Mud Island Adventures. So the Triple Challenge 21, raising money for the Stroke Association as Garrick and Alex plough their way through a uh, stand-up paddleboard, a bike ride, and a walk-run through some of the I, I'm saying that mate because I'm just thinking about the distances I would be crawling at this stage probably dragging myself with my lips anyway um, you're going to get there and it's going to be awesome so yeah have a look at that have a look at the Triple Challenge 21 know what it's all about yeah. please make a donation and if not then at least get involved somehow in some kind of uh, supportive effort Triple Challenge 21 folks that's right. We're at Just Giving, uh, and uh, if you check out the Mud Island Adventures um, Triple Challenge Twenty One on uh, Just Giving, you'll be able to read a little bit, a little bit more about why we're doing it, um, but also um, make a donation if you feel it's worthy. And of course, the Stroke Association is a worthy cause. Yes, um, so, uh, just one other thing to mention, and it's a bit of a sad mention. Mm. Um, we just wanted to, you know, sort of pour a 40 and, um, you know, raise a glass to uh, a legend who we lost recently, Lee. Yeah. Yeah. And the word legend does get banded around a lot uh, in these days. But uh, I think when it applies to someone like uh, the man who passed away at the age of 84, just at the end of last month, it certainly is apt. 
Greg Knoll was a big wave surfer. Uh, he served during the coast in, in in the Coast Guard during his draft period in the 1960s, but he was always a surfer. And his nickname, the Bull, was created out of his hard charging attitude towards the waves. And at six foot two and 230 pounds, he was a commanding presence, not just in the but ashore as well. He had a very raw sense of humor. He was an eloquent storyteller. And uh, he was a big wave surfing in the 60s. In fact, it was him and his uh, associates who opened up the North Shore of Oahu with Waimea and uh, Makaha and all those uh, big wave spots that are now known. But he's credited with a uh, 35-foot wave. Now, mm-hmm. at or about that height it becomes physically impossible to to paddle fast enough to pick that wave up. So having considered that he had achieved that pinnacle, he then retired and became a, a fisherman in Northern California. But um, Greg Knoll is uh, a surfing legend. We're, we're saddened by his passing, but at the same time, absolutely in awe of the life that he led in the, uh, in the 50s and the 60s, surfing California, surfing the, uh, the islands across the way. And I still have my copy of his biography, Life Over the Edge, uh, upstairs. Do you know what, mate? I actually checked this out on Amazon, and it's mm-hmm. probably about 10 times what I paid for it now. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Greg Knoll, surfing legend, Anglers and condolences to his close friends and family at this sad time for them. Uh, he will be missed. He will be missed. And if you don't think you know who Greg Knoll is, um, cast your minds back to the iconic image of uh, a surfer stood in front of huge waves, mm-hmm. um, just staring out into the ocean. And that, that is uh, Greg Knoll. And I think that's probably the image that sticks in most people's minds. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and on that note, um, all that's left to say is uh, it's been great having you on board. And uh, thank you for listening again. Like I say, give you know, leave a review. Tell your friends. Tell everybody, uh, whether you like them or not. And <laughs> just uh, let's gr- continue to grow uh, the Mud Island Adventures family. Uh, so for now, all that's uh, all we need to say is go, do, and then tell us about it. Thank you, and bye bye. <laughs>